Mondo Neon Show, it's Max, and I'm with Lily Reeves. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so Lily, you're a neon artist. Um, pretty much everybody asks, like, the comic book, number one, like, where exactly, you know, how did you find neon, what gravitated to, towards it, uh, ultimately, and, and kind of where you're at right now with neon, but maybe just take us back in time. Yeah, definitely. So um, I went to school uh I went to art school thinking that I was gonna be a glass blower um and I was like really stoked on you know furnace work and blowing glass and um, making vessels and art glass and all of this beautiful stuff that I had seen you know online and um I had like this weird glass collection as a kid like I was obsessed with it and so when I got to art school um I kind of found that it was way more difficult um, and way more involved um, than I thought it was. And I went to Alfred University um, up in New York State in the village of Alfred, which is like a small little town of like 3,000 people. Um, and they just so happened to be one of like, you know, maybe four or five schools in the country um, with the NEON program. And so... <laughs> And did somebody like invite you to the program or you kind of just found it yourself? Um, so I just took a class and um, it kind of like, I got addicted right away. I mean, the first, I, I, I had always seen the studio and I had always like asked upperclassmen to like teach me how to bend neon, you know, cause you couldn't take a class until you were a junior um there just because of the curriculum and so I was like always kind of like sneaking into the neon studio trying to figure out you know how to do this stuff um and so I always kind of like loved it and then when I first like lit up my first tube I was like okay this is something that I could do forever <laughs> like this feeling I can definitely have forever and um because I'd always like been a school but there was never a medium that I felt I wanted to stay and work in, you know, like I'd always done clay and I'd always cast metal and I'd always blown glass, but um, like nothing ever held my attention for long enough um, until, you know, until that first class. And I, I saw my tube light up on the manifold and I was just like blown away. Um, yeah. Did you, somebody pretty, like, uh, did you walk through like, was there kind of described the, I guess the studio space? Was there like a large group of people that were taking the course or were you able to kind of, cause I think the difference between, you know, 
all the different processes that go into making neon are definitely some of the attractive parts to it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not like there's kind of like a moment of gratefulness that happens when everyone I talk to kind of first describes either creating neon. Um, you know, was there someone there that kind of brought you into the, you know, kind of into the fold a little bit and kind of got you involved? I'm sure you were looking at it as from like a, a kind of a, a creative process, but. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, you know, I was in art school and so this class was an art class and Sarah Blood was my instructor um, at Alfred. And I'm like super grateful that I learned from her um, because she's not a sign maker. Um, I feel like the environment, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of different stories about how people kind of come to me on how they learn and who they apprentice. And um, not a lot of people do it in a university setting because there's not a lot of schools in America that offer it. Um, and so it, it was super cool learning in an environment that sort of supported the more creative approach to it. You know, I mean, I like, we like weren't allowed to make text in her junior class, you know, so, um, <clears throat> which like, you know, has its downfalls technically, but, um, but yeah, I definitely came at it from like a way weird kind of outsider um, angle. Um, rather than someone who like started working in a sign shop, you know, and um, mm-hmm. sort of got their start making letters and using these, um, <clears throat> using these techniques that are very um, within the canon of traditional neon, you know, and that is like advertising and signage. Um, I was, you know, taking like scientific glass blowing classes and also learning like different plot, like different seals, um, for like weird, you know, uh, borosilicate vessels. So it was, it was a very like much more highly creative environment, I think. Than, um, also too, I think it gives like, it's kind of an honest look into the realities of creating work too. I think while being an artist, you know, being in school it kind of gives you this comfort zone of like, oh, I can try these different things. And it's helpful because how many people say things about school are, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree with all of it being like, you know, okay, well, it's just sort of like a, a way to kind of just, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, explore different things, you know, realities of, of different types of work you want to create. And then you just sort of land on something, but the perspective that others might have on that similar path that you might be on is I think ultimately the, the, the best thing, because you might not know exactly what you want to make. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on what you're capable of as an artist and then what you can mm-hmm. kind of speculate on and anything that's sculptural or functional really depends on where your head is at. And so when all that's happening, I think, you know, in your life, like where you're kind of starting out, are you kind of working moment, moment to moment, or did you know right away, like, you know, this, this particular glass object is something I want to keep making or, you know, how did you kind of prepare yourself for, you know, exiting art school to where you're at now? <laughs> Well, I took a kind of scaredy cat route and I went straight to get my master's after grad school. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to be in the real world yet. So I'm going to keep going. And so, yeah. And, and at that point, you know, I had been doing neon for two years and I was like, I definitely want to get my master's because I'm interested in, I was interested in continuing the sort of momentum that I was on with my work. Um, and that was really the main reason that I wanted to go to grad school. Um, 
you know, because like you're saying, it, it, the space that you make things in really does determine, you know, what what you create. And and I wanted to continue to be in like a super creative space. So I went to grad school um, for, and I chose a three year program to kind of be, you know, to kind of have as much time as I needed. Um, and yeah, I went. I went to you know, again, one of the few schools with a neon program, um, Arizona State University in Phoenix, Arizona, which was kind of like opposite of New York. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, anyway, I guess fast forward through my master's program, which was like all a blur, <laughs> um, into the, into the real world was a super tough transition. Um, and, you know, art school, they don't really prepare you for the realities of being an artist. Um, you know, they teach you how to talk about and think about and make work and, you know, think creatively and critically in a world where people don't always do that. But, um, but they didn't teach you any of the business side of like running a studio. So mm. I kind of got out of school, you know, and I was like, fuck, well, what do I do now? Yeah. I don't have any equipment. Like, I don't know how to build the equipment. Like, no one ever taught me anything. You know, I mean, like, having, you know, coming out of grad school, having a studio pretty much all to yourself 24 7, and then realizing you have nothing, you know, to do your craft with. Um, I think that's something, too, that resonates with a lot of people that are in art school or have gone through that process is actually getting into a point where you're actually having a couple years of like, fortunate events where you have a path and you've kind of been told where to go and um you know just the geography i really think it's a bit of a volcano because you know the only possibility you can i'm not trying to badmouth school in general i think it's obviously focused on trying to get people <laughs> to go somewhere i think what mm -hmm. i what i think i could give from i guess i gained from that is just you know you learn a lot of valuable lessons i think it's definitely eventually a point where you're applying right away what you normally would have learned just happened to be there um yeah mm -hmm. so just closing that gap you know knowing where you kind of fit in and i think in terms of your work you have a lot of themes specifically i think in performance but also there's like spirituality and um interaction as well i mean there's a lot going on in your work how do you kind of balance all of that yes so um I started working with performance like really early on, um, kind of out of nowhere. I, I I honestly like cannot pinpoint the point at when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna like use neon in my performances or or like even do performance. I think the first performance piece I did was for like one of those very first projects um, in my neon class, you know, as like a 18, 19 year old, whatever. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting on tangent. But anyway, no, um, yeah, I, I think I think that um, you know, growing through my practice and realizing sort of why I use neon as a sort of central medium, um, and how and how vital it is to the performance work that I'm doing, which does kind of center around um, these ritualistic performances. Um, I think. Um, I think it's kind of a, a tool that I use to, to get people's attention. Um, it's, it's super powerful. So there's like a few pieces that I did, um, where I actually use neon as, um, like a physical tool. Like I did these light healing sessions in one of my performances where I sat with viewers for like 20 minutes. 
um, you know, and individually kind of like cleansed their aura and like went around them and, and, and went intuitively sort of towards parts of their bodies with the light um, to focus on these like sort of ailments that I kind of like sensed, you know, and, and it was this combination of like energy work and like mysticism and like theater of performance and, um, and this like self care in a way where like I'm caring for the audience and, and, and people don't often experience in our society, you know, people don't have, people don't often experience people who will take care of them or, or care for them, you know, who are, who's a stranger for, for free essentially. Um, and so like, I think the the interactivity that I get from the performance and the space and the sort of aesthetic of the neon, you know, is, is really important um, to my practice. Um, I think, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I was going to say that, you know, um, like you're the light symbolic lights marking a space, you've got some really incredible sort of kind of radical ideas on how to place artwork, especially neon because of its fragility, you're putting it in the middle of the room and balancing it across you know, hanging it from the ceiling, you know, especially the piece that's like a, I guess it's like a passageway. It's completely purple. There's kind of like, I mean, it's difficult to describe on a podcast with people listening, but you've got sort of a, a general understanding of, of how to build space and, um, you know, just the violet uh, color of the neon. Uh, it's pretty incredible. I mean, particularly because when you look at it from a detailed orient, kind of the balance between these sort of portals and then you've got things that are very subtle which are sort of like you know generally kind of like long sort of draped type pieces where it's almost like you're seeing through something so the transparency effect of neon and then you've got the kind of the glow as well um i think there's a lot of curiosity in that and i think it's interesting to see you know just a different way to display neon because you know do you ever kind of get i guess you know, caught up in uh, some of these themes, but at the same time, or, you know, it seems like you've got a lot of different ways to display neon. And I think a lot of kind of what people are used to is kind of just having on the wall, which, which I, I commend mm -hmm. you for. I think it's not easy to, uh, to kind of perform all those balancing acts. Is neon part, you know, kind of, is there a history for you with that? Like, did they start kind of looking at it at one point and saying, okay, I can just, you know, put it against this uh, ceiling here and, and, and balance it against this material over here type thing. Yeah, definitely. I think that my, um, that my sort of, I, I guess you said that the kind of like untraditional ways to experience neon, um, definitely stemmed from using it as a performative tool. I think, um, <clears throat> I think like having these, I think it's it's such a beautiful and mysterious, you know, and scientific object, like a tube of neon is like so amazing to me. And I think having people, having people experience it in these ways that I kind of experience it while working with it, you know, um, is really important to me. So like, when I'm carrying a piece around the studio, you know, or I'm like testing it and holding it up and like holding up different color, like that to me is like the best parts of working with the material is like sort of holding it in your hands and like being able to like feel the electricity, you know, and see the glow and this like kind of like strong, strong 
um, impact that it has on us. It's like color theory on crack, I think, is what sort of my... Right, <laughs> right. and I think also too, you mentioned... You, on, like, on. <laughs> you brought up the you brought up the engine point too. I, I, get, I think where you're going is that, you know, even with, like you said, light workers, like there's kind of like this, this movement in healing, especially when you volunteer yourself to kind of like, okay, well, you know, I've done everything else. What else could I be doing? And then there's all these other people that are like, oh, it's just like quackery, right? Like, but there's a contribution to light. Mm -hmm. And we feel a certain way, especially when we go towards it, whether it's like a, a healing ability or and it's fuel to kind of uh, consciously understand ourselves a little bit better. And, and you know, in case of like mm -hmm. color, um, there's these you know, light working moments, like you've got things like, uh, you know, fear and, and rejection and all these things that kind of cloud our thoughts, especially negative energies. It's interesting to see someone on the show that's actually working in that way because, you know, there's a lot of people that are resistant to a lot of different things, especially when it comes to getting better. And I think light is one of these mm -hmm. things that everybody uh, can, you know, possess and, and understand a little bit, at least they've experienced it throughout their lifetime. So, Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a, I think neon is kind of a peaceful happiness, you know, it's like a, a, a nice way to be in the middle without having to kind of hit you over the head with something because of the fact that it can, you know, bring people a little bit closer in terms of, you know, I guess it's just, it's, it's unrestrained, but at the same time, it's not all over the place. You know, it kind of has this uh, subtle way of kind of mentioning what's going on. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, there is an attraction. Yeah, no, totally. Well, it's, it's funny because people are attracted to it like flies, you know, I mean, literally, like we gravitate towards things that light up. And, um, and it's so funny, because it's also like, a, an actually, if you think about it, very, very invasive material. I mean, because people are sort of processing things like in like bathed in this like super strong light. And I've, I've had um, really funny reactions based on colors that I use in these like really immersive pieces. Um, like I can think of one piece where I had a performer wear um, this cube, it was a, it was a neon cube that I had attached to a headpiece um, so that this woman could wear a cube on her head essentially. And it was just clear glass with, you know, traditional like neon gas inside of it, like a bright, bright red. And um, she could not sit in the helmet for more than like 10 minutes. Like she kept pulling me over and being like, I think I'm overheating. Like I feel really hot. Like I think I have a fever and I would feel her head and she would be, like absolutely cold, you know, mm. I mean, and so it does like really, I mean, these, these different colors, you know, really affect the body on like really small, you know, uh, small, small scales, but it does affect you physiologically um, eventually just from being around these like different colors. And so, yeah, I, I, I do, the, the color is super important for me. And I think the tone of the color of my work has a lot of like blues and purples and these sort of like lighter kind of um, cooler tones, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. No, I think purple, yeah, I mean, purple is one of my, ultimately one of the favorite colors is for me is purple <laughs> just because of yeah. it's, a, it's a bit like a noble color and it's a bit regal as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and using things. It's also the highest frequency. Oh, okay. See, I don't want something. <laughs> and yeah, ultra, ultraviolet. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, look, I think that there's a, a, a power to heal, especially when you document it in the way that you have, because, you know, you're kind of bringing out the uh, remarkable nature of just what neon can do, which is really kind of 
bring uh, mm-hmm. bring something to light, you know. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it, you know. The, you know, the kind of like I said, hit them over the head. But you know, we kind of do look at neon as a as a way to gravitate towards something, even if it's like a message. Mm-hmm. But you know, first and foremost, it's light, and then it's like whatever you layer on top of that. So it's kind of neat that you've kind of as an artist been able to sort of weave ideas and thoughts into that because I think it's one of the best things about neon and it's, it's not just in your face and people think of neon as like that because I think the quantities in which people try to use it, or like you said, like the colors that they specifically, you know, kind of focus on, which is like clear pump neon, you know, you've got this like bright orange color with nothing wrong with it. It just happens to be, you know, let's get the loudest thing out there, which, which I think neon at one point mm-hmm. probably was used for, but I think there's more thoughtful yeah. ways. You know, there's a lot of more artists that are, or designers that are now making neon, not specifically just for the fact that it's, you know, the brightest thing in the room. You know? Yeah. Although they are, it is always usually the brightest thing. <laughs> in the room. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to understand, but yeah, I think it's just like, it's the most experiential maybe that's what i'm saying like it gives you the yeah no totally thought it's not just like i think it, and it probably has something to do with the way it's made too um yeah no more delicate uses for sure i think are yeah definitely and also too like you've got these really unique um kind of glass filled plexiglass boxes which i appreciate it's kind of like a throwback to the 70s you know this kind of like material explosion we had going on and then people, I think, especially sign makers, there's some relationship to kind of too much plastic coming on and then kind of the, the degradation between neon and people replacing things with plastics. But I think you've done a great job of making those two kind of coexist, you know, you've got them together and which is, I think, mm-hmm. a, a great way to deal with that, you know? Um, yeah, you I, I have a... Sorry? I was just saying how that kind of how that process started where you're just kind of layering uh, ideas on top of neon? Well, yeah, I have like a love hate relationship with um, acrylic and um, you know, the, the love part is like, it's so beautiful. And I, I started using it because I found it was actually like a pair of earrings that I saw in a museum that were like this bright pink plexiglass color. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I bet I can buy that material in bulk, you know, and like use it for sculptures because I'm like a weird sculptor and like that's how I think. And <laughs> and so like I, I started using it super early on and, you know, finding all these different colors and um and you know, while I'm using it, it's like you just create all this like dust, this plastic dust and a bunch of waste. I save all my scraps, but um I have like buckets and buckets of scraps. But you know, and with the sort of like onset of of climate change and the Anthropocene and everyone, you know, plastic is becoming such a huge problem for us on, you know, in the world. Um, and, and so that's kind of where my like hate side of my relationship with acrylic comes from. I, I have this like extreme guilt from using this material, you know, but I, I've kind of like um, reconciled with that feeling by sort of like recognizing the foreverness of this, and kind of comparing it to something like you know uh, I mean everything eventually deteriorates but comparing it to something more like marble where I'm using it in like a more special 
um, a more special way, you know, I think, um, and sort of highlighting it for its beauty and for that foreverness kind of quality. And, um, and it's just, I mean, I, I can't get away from it. You know, I could never do the pieces that I do with glass panels. It would just be, it's already a nightmare working with neon, you know, <laughs> like right. why add, why add more problems? Um, but it's, it's such a great material. Like it really and truly is. I love plastic, but um, I also kind of hate it, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's also, yeah, like you said, there's the physicality, I think, within that. You can kind of get away from it. But are you always, I guess, on the lookout for new objects to include in your artwork? Like what, I guess, what makes something for you like special enough to be used in sculpture? Do you have like something you look for? Um, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. Um, yeah, I mean, usually it's always like a pretty superficial kind of, how does it look, you know? Um, and that's kind of why I was always super attracted to glass and like now, you know, glass and acrylic. Um, but I'm really exciting. I'm starting, uh, I'm really excited. I'm starting a residency next month working, um, at a metal casting foundry here in Birmingham called Floss Furnaces. So um, I'm super excited to get into incorporating metal um, in with the neon, which is something I haven't done um, before. Uh, and so I, I'm, it's, it's not something that you usually use with neon because metal is conductive, obviously. Um, but I'm gonna try really hard to sort of like uh, create an alloy, create an, a non-conductive um, alloy that looks like brass or bronze. Um, and then cast iron too, which is like super non-conductive. It's conductive when it's like, um, when it's liquid, when it's like super hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah not when it's the solid. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, it's going to be the first residency that I've had out of grad school, so... It'll be a really nice, thank you. It'll be a really nice break. I've, I've like, um, I've kind of like cleared my schedule so I can have time to like be really involved in making work, um, making like a full body of work, so. Um, and it's interesting, like you, you know, your transition to, uh, to Alabama, you know, where you're at now, um, you know, you were talking about the changes between the East Coast and, you know, going down the south it seems like our past is inevitably influences where we're at like right now and even if we don't realize it are you are you kind of able to take on the area like what's going on there like has it been easy for you to kind of adjust to that uh you know kind of what goes on over down down that region versus where you kind of were working at before yeah it's been so hard <laughs> being back here i'm from here my family's uh lived here for fucking oops sorry excuse me for centuries actually no, so um yeah my I, my family history is like very very rooted um in Alabama and um a lot of my aesthetic kind of I think comes from growing up in the south and being exposed to these weird like you know tent revivals and I mean like just crazy, you know, evangelists essentially, um, and sort of like bizarre superstitions. Like I think a lot of that fed into my work. Um, well, also, so too, you, um, you were working with um, in Shebens too, which 
you guys work in that as well. Uh, you're working mm-hmm. kind of with different artists as, in collaborative ways as, you know, in this group too. It, it sounds like, you know, you have a lot of different influences, especially when it comes to relating to other artists, right? Because you've gotten involved with that group as in, in regards to like, you know, exploring the female movement and, and how all that fits together. How did you kind of uh, hook up with them? Yeah, um, that's a great show. It, it's, I love that show. I couldn't say enough good things about it. Um, but yeah, Mer- I think, I mean, Meryl Pataki, the curator, you know, j- had like an open call, um, like, oh my gosh, maybe three years ago, two years ago. Um, and I had no idea that it would be as sort of like, it's kind of like grown into this crazy, amazing traveling show now for going on two or three years. But um yeah, that, that was, I mean, that was just like something that I had heard through the grapevine and so I applied for it. Um, and ever since the first show, it's been like, you know, moving venues and kind of growing and moving venues and growing. So um, it's been really fun. But yes, I do, ha- I do have a lot of collaborators. Um, I love collaboration. I think it's like such a underrated thing. I think everyone should collaborate. An artist should just unionize. I agree too. I think you, you know, you touched on something that's really like unique. Like there's so many times that people are just, you know, struggling to kind of get themselves together, especially in the artist sense. Like they're, they're kind of moving towards a direction and you're like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm always telling them my best piece of advice specifically for that is just to get out there and start talking to people more. Um, because the, the, the way that it's structured is, is kind of like, it's like you have to kind of, get beyond this idea of finding the right space and all the other things and just start to create um, what you would normally do and, and, and put out as much as you can. I think I invite other artists to, uh, to really start to hook up together. And I think that's what that movement embodies uh, for me is, yeah. is the ability to, you know, structure yourself in a way that you're not, you know, you're not limited or, or liable to kind of like buy into this idea of what the art world wants you to sort of do you can you know create a following and a likeness and a message and, and really you know um, hone your skills and, and, and help you know kind of just pull people together and make something really unique which I think is the coolest part about that you know it doesn't you know there's no like yeah um, and you know, end <laughs> what yeah no totally and just meeting all I mean there's like something like 30 women in that show you know and it's created an amazing network for all of us. I mean, it's such a supportive, yeah, like community is everything. And that show definitely created this really special community um, within the neon world of, you know, these women all over the country who are making super strong work, you know, and, um, um, and it's cool because it's like, it extends beyond the show too. Like we have like Facebook chats and group messages and, you know, I mean like Instagram messages, like, group chats everywhere that we use for like advice and you know sometimes to vent <laughs> yeah um, no I think the yeah, I think the general I think it's more accessible in a lot of ways than most sort of group shows and I might just be speaking for you know myself here but the working towards like kind of creating a natural environment where people feel comfortable creating it I think that's the coolest part um you know how are you always on the lookout for uh well I guess you just I like the idea that you just kind of answered a calling, like a, a calling or whatever, you know, and you are, are now part of that whole like, kind of 
push to to get women's neon out there a bit more what makes something i guess special for you to want to like have a show or, or how do you you know do you have a process for that yeah i'm um i i love collaboration i think it's so important but i am like super picky with like the artists that i work with um you know because as a neon artist you i mean I have people all the time coming up to me and being like, oh my gosh, let's do a collaboration. Like you should do this for this piece that I'm thinking of. And it's like, you know, it's, it's basically just someone wanting me to make neon for them for free. And it's like, well, <laughs> it's all, that never <laughs> that's, feels good. that's not how I collaborate. You know, like usually when I'm working with someone, it's from the ground up and it's because we have like similar interests and, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, um, or oh, our work. Comp- I know where that, I know that what doesn't feel good is because it's like, it's an ask, like they don't even really <laughs> yeah. are, you know, trying <laughs> yeah. to pull you in. It's like, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, I really need this thing made over here. Right. You could do this for me or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, and people are weird about that. Like when people, you know, it's like, you're not doing me a favor. Uh, you know, you're not like helping me out. Like you want to like make me you know, yeah. build a sign for your, for your like, you know, business or whatever, which is, yes. which is fine if that's, you know, is, but that's, you know, it's always weird yeah. when people kind of put that together in that way, because, you know, I think people struggle too. Like, you know, if, if you're going to just generally want to work with somebody, you do it because, you know, you really want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, definitely. Yeah. Collaboration. Cause a lot of people will use it as a kind of a term to like, Hey, can you collaborate with us? Like on this event? And they're basically just asking me to like come there and, do my work for free, which, you know, I run a business off of, off of a, a more, you know, design side um, of making neon, but, um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely like a, a, a word that has a lot of different meanings to a lot of people. But um, when I see that there's like, you know, there's value in the work with someone or, um, or it's a mutual collaboration, you know, then I'm all for it. Um, because sharing the the workload of making art is amazing. I mean, well, yeah, and I think so, too, it's a special process. Like everyone has a different perspective on, I guess, what work should look like. But I, I like that, you know, you can meet people in the middle and and have something kind of turn out, um, you know, slightly better than what you imagine it being. Because I think a lot of times artists are kind of driven by self-motivation but there's is there's something very um i think very giving in that that when you kind of work with somebody else you have to kind of have your kind of um you know take a, a bit of a back seat sometimes as well and so i think it teaches a lot of good habits especially when it comes to creating artwork um, mm-hmm. yeah uh what architectural spaces have you are you kind of like and continue to inspire you you know do you do you get a chance to kind of install work in different places because i see all kinds of like from like industrial spaces to gallery spaces you know it seems like you you kind of get to do all and even outdoor like i think you've taken neon outside which a lot of artists um i don't think have really kind of explored as much just because it's you know some of more than others but i'm always a big fan and and you know people taking it out to the middle of the desert and people who have it like in the middle of a forest setting like it's totally weird to see it in these environments um, you know, it seems like you don't really have any restrictions when it comes to that. How do you kind of, how do you prepare yourself for something like that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I, I love any and all space. <laughs> I think the outdoor work definitely is kind of the most exciting and, and refreshing for me. Um, it's definitely the most challenging. Um, but 
it's it's yeah I, th I think because I love seeing neon in places where you wouldn't expect it you know or um yeah, I give you and so and so yeah spaces like that are super interesting to me um uh, I would love to do yeah I mean I would love to work in in different kinds of buildings I mean I would love to do like a ceiling installation or something or who knows who knows what the future holds but yeah, I was gonna sure. say if people are you know what do you have like project I know you have the um, residency going on is there anything else that you mm -hmm. want to throw out there as far as you know letting listeners know <laughs> what's going on? oh man well right now I'm working on a giant um neon facade actually that I'm going to install at the end of the month so um oh, cool. I have a yeah I got a public art uh commission from the city of Atlanta um to install a giant 42 foot facade of neon so it's gonna wow be, that sounds amazing yes yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's massive it's so huge and um but I'm super excited it's it's super it's kind of minimalistic it's um uh, looks a little bit like Robert Irwin's, you know, fluorescent line pieces. Um, uh, but it's not, it, but it's different. It's, it's neon and it's not fluorescent, but I'm also, um, building this giant aluminum channel that changes the shape of the building. Um, when does that, um, when does that go out? Do you know, like have a date to kind of, Oh, have mercy. It's, it's supposed to be next weekend in fall, but uh, we might, extended to the 18th. So, um, it'll definitely be installed by the end of October. Um, but I, as of to, you know, I don't know when it's going to be turned on because I'm installing it before the building is done with construction. So. Cool. Um, well, if anybody's in, yeah. in that area, definitely, you know, uh, check it out at the end of October there. It sounds like. Yeah. If you're in Atlanta, cool. <laughs> it's going to be massive. I know. I, I actually did the, um, I did like the power calculations the other day because I was like, I wonder how much this thing will cost to keep on every year. And um, anyway, this is kind of like a nerdy tangent, but I like did the math wrong and I calculated <laughs> the output voltage of the neon of the transformers instead of the input voltage. And I freaked myself out a little bit thinking I was like, going <laughs> to give these guys like a massive power bill. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually pretty energy efficient. In fact, it's, you know, similar to like light bulbs which is funny because most people just assume it's this like crazy power sucking thing and yeah they're always like shocked to hear you know and then they're kind of let down right they're like oh well, i thought it was like you know 100 million volts you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'd like to see you it's crazy that much electricity <laughs> yeah it's funny because yeah so that that gives you definitely the, the 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 airspace to go in and do your thing, which is exciting. I think it's going to be. It sounds like an amazing project. Definitely, if you um, put up content, we'll let us know, and we'll we'll post it in the show notes as time goes on. We can update it so people can go yeah, in and sure. on that. Uh, and then also website wise, you know, just social media. You're pretty prevalent on IG, so you know, if you want to drop those links. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Cool. Uh, well, thank you so much, Lily, for being on the show. Um, really appreciate you and taking the time to talk about your artwork. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.